It's Mailbag Friday on the podcast, and it's Max Freed Day as he returns. We'll discuss all that on today's episode of Locked On Brave. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. It's our Mailbag Friday edition of Lockdown Braves. So, everything. We talk about today will come from your questions uh, sent in on Twitter. So thank you so much for providing those. If you're new on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're watching this video there, hit that like button as well. Thank you so much to all those who let me know you hit that like button each and every day. It does help support the show a ton when you do that. And it gives us more interaction as well in the comments section where, again, you've been killing it. Try to get to all the comments there. But again, you guys have been doing such a fantastic job of continuing the discussion down in the comment section there on YouTube. So even if you're not watching these on YouTube, if you're listening to them on the audio, maybe go check out the YouTube video as well, and you can be part of the conversation there. Thanks for so for so many who let me know on the last video that you are an everydayer. We got uh, Joey Cavalli. I'm going to go ahead and apologize if I mess up some of these names. They don't always come through. And the username on YouTube, uh, Upervals Fanatic. Uh, Zachary Whitfield, Adam Dowd, uh, Jordan Taylor in North Carolina, Alan Hayes, the Notris, I play for keeps, Jason Sturkey, Tristan, and Joey S. Thank you so much for letting me know that you're an everydayer of the Lockdown Braves podcast. It is a Mailbag Friday episode. We got a lot of questions to get to. Couldn't really put one specific thing in the title because they're all so different, but we do have some about Max Free, the rotation, Von Grissom, what we do with some of these team options in the offseason. So a lot of different questions that are going to try to answer for you on today's episode. And let's just jump right into the questions. And I'm basically reading them off the thread on Twitter. Again, some of you submit questions to me in the YouTube comments and direct messages on Twitter. I, I, I appreciate that. I typically just look for the questions on Twitter, responding to the tweet that I send out asking for those questions. I apologize. It's just sometimes hard for me to go look for them in so many different places. So I apologize if you ask for a question somewhere else and I don't answer it here. Please make sure you look for that tweet from Locked On underscore Braves on Twitter and respond to that because that's where I go to put all these questions together for the podcast. First one comes from Matt. He says, did Alex Anthopoulos pick up Brad Hand as the ultimate late-inning left-handed equalizer to silence Jordan Alvarez in a potential World Series matchup, knowing that Alvarez owns Mentor? In all honesty, I didn't check Hand's numbers against Jordan, so they may be bad too. I don't think that was the idea. I mean, if, if he was thinking that far down the road and into the World Series, then I love that confidence. I think Brad Hand is going to be more of your – Middle innings type, sixth, maybe seventh inning left-handed reliever who comes in. Maybe the opposing team has a couple of left-handers coming in in that inning. I think maybe you'll see Brad Hand come in there. I think you will see him in that middle innings, you know, sixth, seventh inning role if there is a big left-handed bat coming up like a Jordan, Jordan Alvarez in a big moment. Maybe you got runners on, two outs, and the other team has a big lefty coming up. Then I think maybe that's when you see Jordan come in. 
I, I didn't check Minter's numbers myself against Jordan Alvarez, but he is typically somebody that is really good, whether it's left-handed or right-handed. When Minter comes in, he's getting a full inning. He's getting either the eighth or the seventh inning, most likely coming in to face the middle of an order. You really just got to live with that. He's probably your best reliever when all healthy and when he's pitching like he's capable of. So I think Brad Hand was got mostly for those six, seventh innings. If there are a couple of lefties coming up or if there is just a big situation in kind of those middle innings and a lefty is coming up to the plate that you would use Brad Hand there. I mentioned when the Braves got him. When you bring him in, you got to make sure he's going to face a lefty. He's only going to face one lefty because his numbers versus lefties and righties are drastically different. So you got to make sure the team's not going to pinch hit. You got to make sure that he's going to get that guy out, which you can't guarantee. But he's so good against lefties. But again, he's not very good against righties. So you want to make sure he's facing as many lefties as possible. Cavs Buckeyes says, after the draft, one of the prospect guys at Fangraph said he wouldn't be shocked if Waldrop was in the Braves pen for the for the playoffs. Uh, Kaz Buckeye says, I would be shocked to see that, but what type of role could you see him, A.J. smith Shaver, or even a guy like Vines and his changeup play in October, if any? I, I would be shocked if we saw Wad Waldrop in the playoffs. I'm honestly a little shocked they put, sent him right to low A. I can't imagine he's going to throw too many innings this year. He threw over 100 innings at Florida this year. I can't imagine they're going to have him throw more than 10 to 20 innings in professional ball this year. A lot of times when you see these college pitchers drafted who did throw a lot of innings at the college level, they'll, they'll get some starts in professional baseball. They'll maybe get three or four starts, but they're usually only going to be two to three inning outings. I think you saw that a lot last year with Richie and Owen Murphy, who were even high school guys. So I would be shocked. If Waldrop ascends that quickly, again, because uh, the one knock on him is control, and I don't think you can really trust a guy like that as good as his stuff is and as high as I am on him in playoffs like that. Uh, so I'd be shocked if that's the case. But I think there is a role for an A.J. smith Shawer, um, you know, just because of the, the stuff that they have. And, you know, if you limit them to just one inning where maybe the, the velocity ticks up a little bit, and you limit him to just two pitches. Maybe A.J. smith Shaver just becomes a fastball slider guy, Waldrop a fastball uh, split changeup guy, and Vines, you know, working that fastball changeup. You know, if you limit them to one inning and they have really good wipeout pitches, then you can see them being good. I mean, that's what good relievers are. The relievers who just didn't have enough pitches to become a starter, and they focus in on, you know, two, maybe three pitches that are really good for them, and they play up in those reliever roles. So I could see it. I don't think it happens, at least for Vines or for Waldrop. I could see it happening for A.J. smith Shaver just because you know he's already kind of been in professional baseball a little bit, and he's already had experience at the major league level, obviously. Next question from Cass Buckeye says, are there any left, left field DH types not in the organization you have your eye on in the next couple of years? Juan Soto in 24 is the dream, and I strongly believe his game will age better than anyone else on a 10-plus year deal. But who else could be an option? Um, I'm going to be honest. When I originally saw this question, I thought you were talking in the organization. I haven't really looked outside of the organization. I don't know what is there, so I apologize. I misread this question when I was prepping for the show. But uh, I haven't really thought of anybody outside of the organization. I mentioned at the trade deadline, I would reach out to the Cardinals, maybe about a large new bar, maybe a Dylan Carlson. I'd reach out to the Orioles for one of their outfielders they have, maybe a Colton Kowser. Uh, Heston Kerstad, somebody like that, you know, maybe you swap, you know, young talent 
where the Braves have depth and pitching for young talent where another team has depth like the Cardinals and Orioles do in the outfield and the Diamondbacks are another team you could target there. They have pretty good depth in the outfield. So those were the, some of the ones I thought of at the trade deadline. Uh, as far as free agents, I'm not sure. I haven't really looked into that. As far as who's in the system, there's nobody really close. Uh, Jesse Franklin would be the best one. But I think he's going to be more of a platoon left-handed bat. That would be the strong side of a platoon, but I don't think he'd be an upgrade over Eddie Rosario right now. Um, down the line, Luis Guanipa is the one for me that is probably still three, at least three years away, but I think he's somebody that has a lot of upside that could potentially be in the outfield. But again, that's way on down the list. Uh, and then another one from Cass Buckeye says, weekly Von Grissom question, are there any thought to the idea that he's been kept it short to retain trade value? If so, and if the Braves do intend to keep him, would now be the time to try him in the outfield? He's too good of a hitter to be at AAA next year one way or another. Definitely agree with your last point there. He's got nothing else to prove at the minor league level. So the Braves got to find a way to either get him on the field or find a trade, and maybe that's where – uh, the Braves trade from a strength and they they move Von Grissom for an outfielder. Perhaps that's something that they explore in the offseason. I, I agree. I don't think that Von Grissom was kept it short strictly to retain trade value. I think he was kept it short because they want to give him the full opportunity and as full of a season as they can to see what he can do there defensively and if he can make strides. I have not watched enough Gwinnett games to tell you that. Only the Braves really know that at this point, or somebody, you know, one of the minor league guys. I know Garrett Spain does a great job over at Battery Power. He watches a lot of minor league games. Maybe they could tell you if there's been a great development for Von Grissom defensively at shortstop. If not, then I would agree now is probably the time to start working him into the outfield. Again, my position on Von Grissom has been this entire time turn him into a Chris Taylor type. The bat is good enough, it's going to play. Work him into the outfield, continue to work with him on the infield, but let him become that you know super utility guy that you can plug in all over the place. If somebody goes down, he can fill in. If you need to give a guy's a day off, which we've talked about that, the Braves don't really do that. But you know, if he's somebody that you wanted to slot into left field and give them an opportunity there, maybe give a guy a day off, or you know, maybe give Ozzy Halvies or Orlando RC a day off here or there if that ever happens. I just I love that role for Von Grissom. Again, you got to get that bat in there. I agree 100%. I think the bat is good enough. I think he's proven everything he needs to at the minor league level. Now it's up to the Braves to figure out how to best fit him, you know, into the mix to get some playing time, or they do need to expl explore some options to trade him and maybe you know make an upgrade somewhere, whether that be in left field or maybe in the, the, the rotation or somewhere. Because he is valuable, and I think there's a lot of value in there. And I think that's why the Braves didn't move him at the deadline. I think they they probably value him maybe more than other teams do right now. But I think he's ready, and he's ready for another opportunity. It's just nowhere really to put him right now on this team. Uh, and I think if left field were an option, they would have already explored that. But, again, I think to answer the original question, I think he's been left at shortstop this year just to give him a full look there, give him a full opportunity to see – if he can be the future at that position or not. And then again, it's up for the Braves to determine if that's not the case, then let's start. Then I do agree. It's time to start looking around and trying him out in the outfield and other places. All right. Got a lot more questions to get to. That was just a couple of them. Uh, so we'll get to some of those as well. Talking about max free, the rotation and all of that. We'll discuss those next.
For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Braves will start a three-game series with the Cubs on Friday afternoon. All games in this series will start at 2.20 p.m. Eastern. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app search Braves jumping back into your Twitter questions here. Large Lars says why trade for Lopez when none of the infielders ever take days off? We kind of talked about this yesterday, not necessarily why Nicky Lopez isn't playing, but the fact that the Braves just don't give their guys day off days off. And, you know, I said in these blowout, if, if you're going to start them, that's fine. And they want to play every day. I trust these players to know their bodies and what they can take on. And if they're tired and if they need a day to say something, but I do agree that in these blowout games that the Braves have had here, you know, lately with the way their offense puts up a lot of runs, I do think you need to start subbing in some of these guys late in games just to keep them fresh and to prevent, you know, possible injury for some of these guys. But why trade for Lopez when none of these infielders take days off? Because what if they get hurt? I mean, you need somebody to back up these guys if they get injured and you get Lopez because you at least know when he comes in, he's going to play solid defense for you, even if maybe you don't get much for the bat. But you got him there, you know, for insurance is basically what he's there for. That's basically what the entire Braves bench is 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 there for. It's really just in case of injury, and let's hope that doesn't happen. Bellfire says, can you reach out to your team sources and get them to get Snit to stick Pilar in left field? with Travis Darno at DH and Rosario and Zuna Ozuna as situational bats for the bench in the postseason. I I somewhat agree with the Pilar in left field situation over Rosario in the postseason. I just think it's it's highly important, especially in the postseason, to put your best defensive team out there that you can, and I, just, I can't take Rosario in left field anymore. I cannot take all these balls dropping in front of him, hurting our pitching, which has been banged up and – Defense in left field has not helped that at, at all. And I like Rosario coming off the bench late in a game in a big situation and saving that bat for the right spot. I still like Rosario and what he does with the bat, and I'm fine with it in the regular season because you know the Braves are just going to score a bunch of runs is what they do, so put your best offensive lineup out there. But I do agree in the postseason where you're going to be facing top pitchers every day Put Villar out there to help your defense. Save Rosario for a big situation. I do think that is the right move. I don't know about Travis Darno over Ozuna just yet. And look, I've been as hard as on Ozuna as anybody, but he goes through his hot and cold streaks. It seems like he's more on a hot streak right now. I do trust the consistency of Travis Darno a little bit more. Again, I think it's a conversation that needs to be had, and maybe you play matchups who has better numbers against the the starting pitcher. I think you don't do it right now in the regular season just because you want to make sure you keep Travis Darno and Sean Murphy as fresh as possible. But maybe in the postseason, it's a little bit more of a question. But 
I still think Ozuna's power and you're batting him, you know, sixth, seventh in the order, wherever you put him in there, it's still just, I th- still think there's a lot of value to that. And again, he's had better at bats this year. He's looked much better, even though he has had, you know, the cold streak in April and then the cold streak in July until just at the end there. But in between that, again, he was one of the best hitters in all of baseball with what he was doing. So I don't think Ozuna has lost that spot just yet, but I am on board, at least in the postseason, with starting Pilar and putting your best defensive player in left field and then using Rosario off the bench for situational purposes. Robert Mosley says, assuming Freed comes back pitching like his old self, who would you start in game one of the LDS, Strider or Freed? I think this may come down to matchup. uh, And, you know, if you're facing a team who is more susceptible to swing and miss and strikeouts, maybe you go with Spencer Strider. If you're facing a team that's maybe, you know, more contact oriented, putting the ball in play, maybe you go with Freed, who's going to get that weak contact. I I think it's situational. I think it's a good problem to have. A lot of it does depend on what Freed looks like when he comes back and if he's back to that ace form. I I don't know, honestly. Again, I think they're co-aces, but only one of them can start game one of a series. I I like Strider better just because of the dominant nature of his pitching, and that typically plays up in the postseason, take last year out of the equation. He clearly was injured and not himself, based based on the velocity and everything that you saw. I, I would probably still go with Strider one just because of that dominant type factor. You got to think, though, whoever you throw into game one is who you're probably going to use to in a potential game five in a in a division series type. So it's a tough one. It's not easy, but it's a good problem to have. Either one you go with. Baltimore Braves fan, of the five players who have team or mutual options for next season, Morton, Rosario, Yates, McHugh, Hand, how many do you see us picking up as of now? This is a tough question here. Uh, Morton has a $20 million team option. There's no buyout included in that. So, look, as, as much as much grief as Charlie Morton gets from Brace fans a lot of times, he still overall has been a very good pitcher. He's been dependable. He's been out there every fifth day. It's a three-and-a-half ERA. He's still been really good. And I think there is some consideration to picking up that $20 million team option. I think a lot of it depends. I know it is a team option and not a mutual option, but I think a lot of it, and I think the Braves would respect Charlie Morton enough to say, hey, do you want to give it another year or do you want to retire? I think they would you know, go to him with that and see what he wants to do. A lot maybe depends on how the season plays out. If the Braves win a World Series, you know, maybe he wants to call it quits and just retire at that point. But I actually don't think it would be the worst idea in the world to pick up that option. A lot of it may depends on how the Braves rotation shakes out, how they feel about Michael Soroka's development, how they feel about Ian Anderson possibly coming back, uh, Waskari Noah, others for the rotation as well, and how they think that may play out next year. Um, Eddie Rosario, he has a $9 million team option next year, also doesn't have a buyout. Again, this is one, again, I know we give Eddie Rosario a lot of grief, and I just talked about the fact of, taking him out of the starting lineup in a postseason scenario, but we, there's not a lot of other options right now in the organization. I don't really know what's out there free agent wise or in trades, but I think you could do a lot worse than Eddie Rosario at $9 million in left field as well. So again, I think that's one I could see them picking up. I could also, you know, I wouldn't lose sleep if they didn't call McHugh a $6 million team option, a $1 million 
buyout. I've gone on record. McHugh has taken a huge step back this year. I think he's one of the worst guys in the bullpen right now, one of the guys that I trust the least. I'd, I wouldn't pick that option up, in all honesty. I know you still got to pay the $1 million buyout, but I wouldn't pick that up. Kirby Yates has a $5.75 million team option and a $1.25 million buyout, so it's a pretty expensive buyout already. So you're looking at, you know, you may pick that contract up just because the buyout's already so expensive. And again, I don't know that I, I don't, I don't know that I would, I don't think Kirby Yates has been good enough, but it's still just a $5.7 million deal. It's not a lot of money for somebody who's been fine, you know, in a sixth, seventh inning role. I could see them picking that one up. I could see them going either way on all of these contracts. Um, you know, the one for Brad hand, it's a $7 million team option of five, hundred thousand dollar buyout that's one i do not see them picking up it'll probably be the one that they pick up but i don't see picking that one up for a guy who's getting pretty old he can basically only face lefties at this point so if i had to guess hand doesn't get picked up McHugh doesn't get picked up i think yates gets picked up because it's still you know pretty solid five and a half million dollar deal for somebody who's a pretty solid reliever he is going to be 37 next year though and that buyout's just so expensive that if you don't pick up the, the contract, you're already paying a pretty expensive buyout. Why not just pay what is another three and a half, four million more and, and give him another year and see what he can do? Um, Rosario, I can see going either way. Morton, I can see going either way. So I don't know if I answered your question there, but I think they pick up three of these and it's probably Yates, Rosario, and then maybe Morton. But we'll see how that all shakes out. And a lot may depend on what happens in the next two months, what's available in free agency and in trades. Uh, Carter Smith says, hypothetically, if Max Reed and Kyle Wright are completely terrible coming off the IL, are not healthy, et cetera, what's the game plan for the rotation down the stretch and for the postseason? So in the postseason, it's pretty simple, and that's assuming everybody else stays healthy. It's Strider, Morton, Elder, and then I think you piece it together in a, in a, if you need a four-starter in that scenario, which you probably would in a seven-game series. You could maybe bring a guy back on short rest in a five-game series, but – you know, you still got your three of uh, of Strider, Morton, and uh, Elder as your top three. And then, then you just try to maybe piece it together with Chirinos. Maybe you use him as somewhat of an opener, and then you, you piggyback him with an A.J. smith Shaver at that point, maybe a Michael Soroka at that point. Um, as far as how they would play out the rest of the season, it would be those three. I think you roll with Chirinos while it's working as long as you can. I think Michael Soroka gets another opportunity as well. Um, maybe Colby Allard comes back at some point. So they'd probably, they would just have to piece together that fifth starter spot the rest of the season. You got Darius Vines working his way back. He could be another option. You got Alan Winans as well. So uh, they would just have to mix and match those fourth and fifth spots and see what they could do there uh, to get through these next couple of months. But you'd be leaning a lot on Strider, Morton, and Elder. Well, let's hope that's not the case. Let's hope Freed and Wright both come back healthy, looking like themselves. Lovable Sports says, which other pitchers on the IL are likely to come back and make an impact soon? Nick Anderson, Jesse Chavez, Kyle Wright, Dylan Lee, Colby Allard, and who would be the odd man out? I think Dylan Lee is the closest to coming back and making an impact. Jesse Chavez, we really haven't heard much of here lately. Uh, Nick Anderson, it sounds like it's going to be September for him. Same for Kyle Wright. So those two are very questionable for me coming back. Haven't heard anything on Colby Allard. So Dylan Lee's the only one right now that we're, we feel pretty confident is going to be back pretty soon. 
Uh, I'm not too confident. And I've said this before. I'm not too confident on Kyle Wright coming back and his impact just because, you know, it's already looking like early September. Can he get ramped up enough? And then just those shoulder issues. I mean, those are just, those are big red flags for me. Nick Anderson one, two is not great. A guy who's been injured for a while. I think Jesse Chavez comes back. It's just, he's getting old. It's taking him a while to recover. Um, so I think he'll come back at some point. I, I wouldn't count on much for Colby Allard uh, coming back. So, Again, we'll see what happens, but Dylan Lee is the one who's closest coming back. I mean, all those guys could make an impact if they return, specifically Dylan Lee, Kyle Wright, Jesse Chavez, and Nick Anderson. As far as who you kick out of the bullpen at that point, uh, that'll work itself out. I can't really give you a guess on that at this moment, but Dylan Lee is probably the one we see uh, sooner rather than later. We really don't have a timetable for the rest of these guys right now. Sean Griffin, thoughts on Olsen versus Ronnie MVP race. Also, what does the Atlanta – what does Atlanta do to these players and other teams don't that make that bring out the best of them? They take an okay player from other teams and turn them into all-star players within a season or two. Sorcery, witchery, Marvel super serum. Uh, what's going on here? So I think I don't know that it's more so as much about what the Braves do. I'm sure there's something in their philosophy of hitting the baseball hard, which makes a lot of sense, but something I think it's more so it's something that the Braves look at when acquiring these players and you know when you look at a Matt Olson you look at a Sean Murphy I said this when they when they traded for Sean Murphy you could kind of see the offensive profile coming around especially look at the second half of the season in Oakland where he just really took off I think that's more so just a great job by the Braves identifying these players what they do well and then getting them into the Braves system and helping them excel at that so I, I think it's I think it's two parts I think it's the Braves scouting department identifying these players identifying key strengths that they have that the Braves really focus on and then they get them into the Braves system and then they really, you know, just help them enhance that ability. So I just think they're really great at identifying that talent, talent that's going to fit into the roster and then helping them build on that. Uh, as far as the thoughts on Olsen versus Ronnie's MVP race, look, if things stay as the way they are and they both stay healthy the rest of the way, they both, you know, continue to hit the way that they are. I still think it's Ronnie just because of the power speed combination that he brings as great as Olsen season would be, you know, approaching 50 home runs, you know, 130, 140 RBIs. That's usually going to win you an MVP or put you in the discussion. What Ronnie does, I mean, right now he's on pace for a historic season. I mean, if he reaches 40, 40, even if he reaches 35, 70, whatever it may be, you know, it's something we've never seen before. So it's, it's still clearly Ronnie in my mind, but you know, Olsen, again, if he continues this hot streak that he's on and the pace that he's on right now, he's certainly going to be top five, top three. Freddie Freeman's in that discussion as well, uh, but it would still be Ronnie, in my opinion. And then last question from Joe Klecka says, curious about your thoughts about the future of Mike Soroka and Ian Anderson giving their injuries and struggles. I think for Soroka, it's it's just the guy needs more reps. He needs more repetition. I think the stuff is still there. The movement is still there on the pitches. It's just the consistency and the command has not come back to him, which the guy hadn't pitched for two and a half years. It makes sense. So for Soroka, it, it's all about finding that consistency, getting adjusted to this new um, release that he has, this new windup that he has. Um, and once he does that, I still think he can be a really solid big league pitcher. Maybe it's not that top of the rotation guy. I still think right now he would be fine and serviceable as a fourth or fifth starter, even with what he's given the Braves this year. I don't know if they're sending him back down to 
manipulate the time service. I think Mass uh, Boost in the comment section one time did a great job of explaining it, that if they send him down for so long, they gain an extra year of control, which would make sense. The Braves have kept him this long, waiting on him to come back. You know, why not at least try to get another year of this guy? So I think for Soroka, it's all about just getting the reps that he needs, getting more comfortable with his delivery. And once he does that, I think he'll be fine. Again, it may not be top of the rotation. It may be a ceiling of a number three, uh, but more likely a fourth or fifth starter. But I think he'll eventually find it. As for Ian Anderson, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm actually less optimistic about Ian Anderson just because you know, he's having injury. It's going to be a while to come back. But you know, even when he was healthy, and he said he, he was healthy up to the point that he started feeling that injury, uh, the guy was just struggling. He, and he's always kind of struggled with command, and he's struggled to find that, that third pitch. Um, which I think he, he really needs. And we've talked about, you know, I, I think that's going to be a big question for Ian Anderson. Even when he does come back, can he find that third pitch? And I think that's what he's going to have to do even when healthy and when he comes back. So I'm actually more optimistic about Soroka becoming a serviceable starting pitcher at some point than I am Ian Anderson at this point. But I think both guys have, you know, injuries are going to happen with pitchers. You can't really predict them, but I just think as far as stuff wise and what I saw, you know, before the injury for Ian Anderson, what I'm seeing now with Soroka, obviously Soroka is closer to that at this point, but I think Soroka has a better opportunity to come back and be a serviceable pitcher at this point than Ian Anderson. But uh, I think both guys certainly can, but again, just because of where Soroka is in the process, I probably lean more to towards him at this point. I don't know that either becomes that top of the rotation pitcher again, like we've seen for them in the past, just because of the injuries, because of the stuff. Uh, I don't know that either of them becomes that top of the rotation guy once again. All right, that's all the questions. Appreciate you submitting all those questions on Twitter. Some great ones. Thank you so much for doing that. Next, I'll set you up for this weekend series against the Cubs. The Braves going to Wrigley Field, where the Cubs have been playing really good baseball here as of late. You got Max Freed coming back to the mound. That should be a lot of fun on Friday. You got Dansby Swanson facing him as well. That should be a really good and fun matchup to watch. We'll talk about that next. I mentioned the Braves and Cubs will be starting a series on Friday afternoon, not long after I post this. It'll be Max Freed versus Liam Hendricks on Friday. And then on Saturday, you got Bryce Elder versus To Be Determined. The, the Cubs are without Marcus Stroman, who's been one of their best pitchers all year. He's out with injury. And then on Sunday, it's Charlie Morton versus Justin Steele. And Justin Steele has been tremendous this year as well. So that'll be a good pitching matchup. So, uh, again, it should be a good series. In general, the Cubs have been playing great baseball. They're right there in that mix in the NL Central. They just took a four-game series from the Reds. So they're right there with the Reds and the Brewers in that NL Central. They've been scoring a lot of runs here as of late. So it'll be a good test for this Braves pitching staff. We'll be sending out Freed, Elder, and Morton, three of their better starters here. So uh, really looking forward to this series. Never know what's going to happen at Wrigley. It depends on if the wind's blowing in or out. We saw that last year where it was blowing in and the Braves couldn't get anything going. Uh, but again, with all these runs here, the Cubs have been scoring lately. Looks like that wind's blowing out at Wrigley. So should be a lot of fun to watch. Dalton Guthrie was de designated for assignment to make room for Max Freed on the 40-man roster. Just wanted to know that. Most of you probably didn't even realize the Braves had Dalton Guthrie on the 40-man, but that was the move for Max Freed being added back. So and I say that because I wasn't I wasn't really aware of that either. So Max Fried is back. Looking forward to see what he can doing, what he's going to do, and what he looks like coming back from injury. So it should be a lot of fun to watch that on Friday and going forward. 
Again, the Braves and Cubs will start a three-game series in Wrigley on Friday. All games start at 2.20 p.m. Eastern. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves when you, where you can submit your questions to be part of the Friday Mailbag podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at ShortstopBall. And make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 